Welcome to Gateway Church Cymru, a church where anyone can be transformed by the story of Jesus. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Revival, and if you've got a Bible tonight, can you please turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to read verse 9 together. And uh, if you want to download the sermon notes for this message, they are on our website, gatewaychurchcumry.co.uk forward slash sermon notes. You can download tonight's message. You can add your own notes to that as well if you've got a smartphone or if you've got a tablet. But 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9, it is up on the screen behind me as well. And it says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You know, over these last couple of weeks and over these last couple of months, actually, we've we've seen the revival. It's this awakening, a revitalization, a return to a former glory within the church. When the church falls in love with Jesus again, gets passionate about Jesus again, it's when the Holy Spirit comes and awakens the people of God to fall in love with Him again. And we've seen the revival. It's nothing man-made. It is all of God. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at some incredible revivals of the past. We looked at the first great awakening. We've looked at the Welsh revival. We've seen Azusa Street. Last week we looked at the Abraman revival, and tonight we're going to come to the last story of revival. I hope it's not the last one ever. <laughs> there are many others, you know, that we could talk about, but these are some of the greatest that, that have really inspired me, and tonight we're going to look at just one more story of revival, and the last revival we're going to look at is the Hebrides revival. The Hebrides revival, which took place between 1949 and 1951. In 1949, the island of Lewis, which is in Scotland, it was, much, uh, it was exactly like the, uh, the other parts of Scotland. There was a town uh, on the island called Stoneway, and uh, it had emptying pews. The church was, was dying out, just like uh, across all of Scotland, and a lot like UK, the UK as well. You know, at that time, the church was empty, and people were leaving the church, you know, the pubs were thriving, but churches were dying at that time. Sin was abounding everywhere, and it seemed like darkness was prevailing absolutely everywhere. And it was on this island, on the island of Lewis. But you know, at that time, there were people who were stirred by God to pray. Not to settle for what was going on in the island at that time, but to stir, God was stirring something within their hearts to pray and to call upon the Lord. And in particular, there were two groups of believers who were desperate for God to move. They were desperate for people to repent of their sins and turn back to God. There were some men and they lived in, in Barvas and, and they began meeting together in a barn. And they began meeting together and when they got together in this barn, they would pray and they would simply seek the face of God. And they were praying together one night. And they were reminded by the Holy Spirit that that God is a covenant-keeping God. We know that to be true, don't we? That God is a covenant-keeping God. God is a promise-keeping God. When God makes a promise with his people, he will stick to his end of his promise. The Bible tells us that God's word does not return void. God is a promise-keeping God. He is faithful to his covenant with his people. 
And the Holy Spirit began to remind these guys who were meeting together that God was a covenant-keeping God who had made many promises to his children over the generations. If this is true, they reasoned, we can enter into a covenant with him and if we keep our part, then he must keep his. That's what they said. If we keep our end of the bargain, we know that God will keep his end. And then they began to wonder, has God ever given a promise? Has he ever given a covenant regarding revival? Has he ever said anything about revival? Is there anything within the Bible that talks about God keeping his end of the bargain regarding revival? And immediately as they began to think of this, the Holy Spirit laid this scripture on their hearts. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Then I will forgive their sin and heal their land. The Holy Spirit dropped that promise on their heart. That God is faithful to his promise. And if you keep your end, he'll keep his end. And that night, these group of men who were meeting in a barn, praying and calling upon God, they entered into this solemn covenant with God. And they decided they were going to take upon themselves the burden for revival. That it was their responsibility. They were going to start seeking God for him to move again in the land. They took it upon their shoulders. They weren't going to wait for any other believers or any other church. They felt God had laid it on their hearts to seek God's face and to pray and believe for revival. And they were going to pray for a revival, not just in their own hearts or in their own lives, but they were going to pray for a revival within their community. And they were going to humble themselves and they were going to pray until revival came. They were going to pray until revival came. Now these group of men, they were, they were made up of all sorts of people. They were made up of elders, of deacons, of believers from several different churches. And you know, they continued to meet for several months. Day in, day out, they would keep coming together in this barn and praying. And they were going to pray until revival came. They were going to keep their end of the promise. And if they did that, they believed that God would hold up his. That if they humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and pray... One day God will heal their land. God would come. They met in this barn three nights a week. And they would pray all the way through until four or five o'clock in the morning. Uh, you know, on the night before revival broke out, they, they entered into this incredible time of repentance. And they were challenged by Psalm 24. And they were desperate and they were crying out for revival. And as they read Psalm 24, it says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Those with clean hands and pure heart. And they, as they began to pray, they realized, God, my heart's not clean. My hands are not pure. You know, I, I need to get my lives right, our lives right. And that night, the night before revival broke out, God began to bend them, began to humble them, and they began to repent and say, God, we need to get our lives right before you. You know, these weren't unsaved people. These were deacons, elders in churches. And they realized, God, I haven't got clean hands. I haven't got a pure heart. You know God. And they were just totally convicted by the Holy Spirit and began to cry upon the Lord to ask for mercy and forgiveness. In addition to these men who were meeting together, there were two elderly sisters, as you can see on the screen behind me. These two elderly sisters, they were housebound, and they were infirm. And they were unable to attend church. 
But just because they couldn't attend church didn't mean that, they were, that I would stop them from praying. You know, we can make all the excuses in the world, can't we? Why not to come to church? But these people, these two old women, they had every reason not to believe God or to pray or to do anything, but they didn't. They didn't make anything an excuse. And they made their small home a prayer closet. They thought, right, I can't get a church, but I'm going to make my home a prayer closet. I'm going to pray and seek his face. Peggy and Christine Smith. And they, they were aged 82 and 84. And some of you might have heard about these recently because they are actually the great aunts of Donald Trump, of President Donald Trump, which is amazing, isn't it? What, what a history he's got in his family, family isn't it? Maybe you should take on some of, uh, of what these had as well. But they're incredible women, 82 and 84 years old, and they began to call upon God. You know, as I said, we can make so many excuses. We can say, oh, you know, God can't use me. You know, I'm too old. Uh, or, you know, I, I'm too busy. I haven't got time for this. I haven't got time for that. We've got no excuses. Because these two old women were housebound. They were infirm. One of them was blind. The other one was crippled with arthritis. But they determined, one thing we can do is seek the face of our God for our, for our community, for our land. And that's what they did. These two women, Peggy and Christine Smith, were incredible intercessors you know I don't believe I believe there's no greater office than a person who comes before the throne of grace and prays and seeks his face and pleads on behalf of others for their lives you know it's the greatest thing that we can do as believers it's the greatest responsibility and privilege we have as believers is that we can come before his throne of grace and pray to the living God there's no greater privilege we have we can come before the living God and pray and how amazing is it we can pray for others that's absolutely incredible. And these women, they were mighty intercessors. And the Lord gave them this promise. As they contended in prayer, as they prayed, as they seeked the Lord for the island day in, day out, God gave them this promise. If you can hear me over the fireworks tonight, He gave them this promise. Isaiah 40, 44, verse 3. And He says this, For I will pour, out, pour water on the thirsty land. And streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring. And my blessing on your descendants. Our land is a dry land. Our land needs the water of God. It needs the, the presence of God. We need that in our time. And they recognized they needed it. But God gave them this promise. That God as they prayed. God said I'm going to pour out my water on your land. And you know I long for that promise. And as a church let's take all of that promise. God you've done it before. It's in your word. We're going to take hold of, the, hold of it as a church. You know, as they were praying, as they were seeking God, God showed Peggy and Christine that a Scottish preacher called Duncan Campbell, he was going to visit them and he was actually going to be the one who was going to be used by God to bring about a revival within the land. He was going to be the channel of God's, of God's spirit moving in that land. And Duncan Campbell, he was an incredible preacher, but he was, he was incredibly busy as well. And he told the sisters that it was very unlikely that he'd be able to come because he had so many things going on. But what was amazing was that, that God cleared his calendar and he arrived. He arrived at the island of Lewis to preach. And initially, he arrived in the island of Lewis to preach just for two weeks. That's all he was going to go there for was for two weeks. But he ended up staying there for two years, which is absolutely phenomenal. Two-week trip turned into two years. 
I wonder how we got all these things out there. But anyway, two weeks turned into two years. The first meeting that, was he- uh, that, that he conducted was held in an old parish church. And many people had gathered together. They heard that he was there. There was an expectancy that was growing amongst the believers. There was a lot of people praying. And there was an expectancy that God was going to move. And, and many people came together in that small parish, in that small church. And they were expecting that as they came together, that God was going to move. Duncan Campbell was here. God's going to use him. You know, the people have been praying, God's going to come. But strangely enough, as they came together, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Actually, it was just an ordinary service. And you know, Duncan Campbell, it says, in, uh, if you read about it, Duncan Campbell was actually quite discouraged by it. He was disappointed. And not only him, a lot of other people, but he was disappointed because he thought God was going to come. He'd accepted this invite. He thought God was going to move in this place. And you know, somebody came up to him, one of the deacons who had been praying and seeking God's face, he came up to, to Duncan Campbell because he could see the disappointment in Duncan Campbell's face. And he says this to him. He says, don't be discouraged. It is coming. I already hear the rumbling of heaven's chariot wheels. We'll have another night of prayer and then we will see what God is going to do. How incredible is that? You know, when he's so down, he's so discouraged, nothing's happened. And this guy who's been praying and seeking God, saying, he's coming. I hear it, it's coming. It's so, you know, this guy reminds me a bit of, of Elijah's servant who says, you know, I see the cloud the size of a man's fist. You know, the rain's coming. God's going to answer. It is coming. Don't be disappointed. We're going to keep praying and we'll see what God's going to do tomorrow. We won't give up. You know, but for so often, for many of us, isn't it? We can pray, but we give up so quickly because we see nothing happening in the immediate, in the here and now. But God encourages us as a people to keep praying, to keep asking, to keep seeking, to keep persevering. Because in his time, God will answer. God will come through. God is a promise-keeping God. And so this incredible promise came and it just totally lifted Duncan Campbell's spirit. And after the meeting, they went over to a, a nearby cottage. And there was about 30 people. They went to this nearby cottage and they got on their knees and they prayed. And they began to travail before God. They began to cry out in anguish before God. This wasn't just some routine prayer meeting. It was desperation. They were crying for heaven to come, for God to come. Because if God didn't come, they were done for. They were finished. There was a desperation for God to come. And at three o'clock in the morning, God came. God swept in. And it says, accounts say that there are about a dozen or so people who lay totally uh, prostrate on the floor, face down under the anointing, under the power of God. God was coming. God was there. God's presence was there. They were speechless. God was in their midst. Something had happened. They had broken through. They had won the victory. God had responded. God had come in answer to their prayers. God had moved in response. God had come into action just as he had promised. Revival came. Revival came. And men and women were going to find deliverance. Men and women were going to get saved. Men and women were going to get healed. God was about to do something absolutely incredible. You know, and as they left that cottage in the following morning they found actually the men and women were seeking God there were lights 
They were burning in the homes all along the road as they left that cottage. People were awake and nobody wanted to sleep because there was such an incredible sense of God's spirit at work. God had awoken people, literally awoken people, and they were now crying upon God, seeking his face, repenting of their sins. As they came out of the cottage, not only were the lights on in people's homes, every people calling upon God, Apparently there were three men who were found lying by the roadside and they were under incredible conviction and they were crying out for God to have mercy upon them. Can you imagine that? Leaving your home and seeing people on the street on their knees calling out for God. That's what happened as they came out of that place of prayer. The Spirit of God was moving into action. And soon that that parish of Barvas, it was going to be stirred from end to end. God was going to do something that an island had never seen happen before. But it was the events of the second night, actually, that would never be forgotten by those who were privileged to attend it. There were buses that were coming from all corners of the island, crowding to the church because God was moving. They heard that God was moving, that there's something happening. And God's presence began to draw people. You know, we know as a church... God's presence is what is the thing that draws people. You know, Leonard Ravenhill once said that you don't have to advertise a fire. People will come. And I believe that, you know, we can have these meetings, we can have loads of programs and all these things, but when God's presence is here, that's the main thing that's going to draw people. It is God's presence. And may we never forget that as a church. May we not get so busy with everything else going on that we forget that it is God's presence. And these buses came, busloads, came from all over the island to attend that church. You know, we say that often as we're waiting for people to come into church. We say, oh, here comes the bus. You know, wouldn't it be amazing if literally there was a bus full of people coming to church? You know, that's what was happening. Buses were going, crowding into this church. There were seven men, apparently, who were driving to the meeting in a butcher's truck. Dave, was it your truck? No, it wasn't your truck. (laughs) They were driving in this butcher's truck when suddenly the Spirit of God fell upon them And they came under great conviction and they were all converted and came to know Jesus before they even arrived at the meeting. That's incredible, absolutely phenomenal. And you know, as as Duncan Campbell got up and as he began to preach, there was an incredible conviction of sin that swept across the people. People were totally gripped by the condition of their own hearts, of the mess of their own hearts. And there was a desperation to get their own lives right with God. So often we get so busy pointing the finger and telling other people to get their lives right when it starts with us. Revival starts with me, Luke Morgan. It starts with you. It starts with us. And that's what true revival is. And that's what was happening here. God came and was gripping the people of God. I can't say the tears were rolling down people's faces. Every part of the building, there was people crying under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, just begging for God to save them and forgive them and to change them. They were crying upon God. And apparently the cries were so loud in some cases that they were heard even outside in the street. It was just people just under complete conviction. Realizing I need to get right with God. I need to get my life right with him. And there was a young man who was underneath the pulpit and he cries out this. He says, oh God, hell is too good for me. 
You know, talk about the conviction and the presence of God. If somebody's crying out, the hell is too good for them, then we can just, we can't even imagine the awe and the might and the glory of God that was in that place. That we can even bring that thought to somebody's heart, the hell is too good for me, I don't even deserve that. Because of God's mercy, God's presence was in that place. And so, you know, God moved incredibly in that service and, and the people, they began to move out of that service and the, pe- the meeting began to, to close. But at last, there was a young person and just as they were about to leave, there was a young man and he began to pray just as they were about to leave. Imagine now, you're all ready, you've got your coats on, you're at the door and then Sam begins to pray. How many of you would be happy with Sam? <laughs> You know, you're ready to go home, you're ready, they're all done, God had moved, great things happened. But this young man, he begins to pray. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to anoint this guy, this young man. And this incredible burden of intercession began to take hold of him. And he begins to pray for three quarters of an hour. And people who had gathered there as they were leaving, they came back into the church. They began to call upon God all over again. And according to accounts, that there were twice as many people who were outside as there were originally. People were drawn. Not only were they, the people who had just left church come back, not only did they just walk back in and began to pray, there were even more people outside longing to get into that place. And when the young man, when he began, when he stopped praying, there was an elder there and he read out this psalm, Psalm 132. And they began to sing out this hymn, this old hymn. And people began to stream into the church and the meeting went on until four in the morning are you ready for that tonight yeah who's back in work who's back in school tomorrow <laughs> don't worry about setting your alarms we're going to be here till four well that's what happened you know it says it can't say that the moment people took their seats the spirit of god just came again a wave of the spirit of god just came again fresh wave of his presence came Again, people began to get convicted all over again. His presence was moving throughout the church. Hardened sinners began to weep and confess their sins. Began to say sorry to one another for their arguments and the disagreements. They began to get their lives right. And just as the, as the meeting was closing, there was a messenger. And he hurried to the preacher, to Duncan Campbell. And he was excited. This messenger came. And he said, he says, this, he says come with me. There's a crowd of people outside the police station. They're weeping in awful distress. We don't know what's wrong with them, but they're calling for someone to come and pray with them. Can you imagine that? You're in church till four in the morning. God is moving. Lives are being transformed. And all of a sudden, somebody comes along and says, somebody's up at Aberdeen Police Station. There's loads of people out there. They just need to get somebody to pray and get their lives right. You know, somebody who saw this scene, describes the scene outside that police station, he said that it was, it was absolutely incredible and it reminded them of the amazing days under Charles Finney and it was like the Welsh revival all over again that was happening outside the police station. Unbelievers crowding together, desperate and asking to put their lives right with God. It was something that was only heard of in those great, incredible moves of God in the past. And this is what he said. He said, I saw a sight that I never thought was possible. Something I shall never forget. Under the starlit sky, men and women were kneeling everywhere. By the roadside, outside the cottages, even behind the haystacks, crying for God to have mercy upon them. 
that's amazing. That's absolutely incredible. Nearly 600 people were there outside that police station crying about, upon God. This small, tiny island. You know, in Scotland, you know, probably many of us, not many of us might have heard of if it wasn't for this revival. 600 people were surrendering their lives to God. The Holy Spirit came, was poured out. God had fallen upon them in great conviction. And it was almost like, like the scene with Paul on the Damascus Road where they, where they just encountered Jesus and they had to get their lives right with Jesus. They had met him face to face. Revival had come to the island. Revival had come to the island of Lewis. It come to the Hebrides. And for five weeks, it swept on in that parish. The Holy Spirit moved in that place for five weeks, right the way throughout that place. Duncan Campbell, it says, conducted four services every single night. In one church, he would go, he'd go to one church at 7 o'clock. In another, he'd go to another church at 10 o'clock. The third church, he'd be there at midnight. And then he'd go back to the first one at 3 o'clock in the morning. And then he'd get home between 5 and 6 o'clock, tired but excited about what God was doing and ready to go again. I, I, I can't imagine that. <laughs> I'm going to be a busy boy in that. <laughs> if that happened, going all into it. But it's incredible. He was so busy. And you know, after five weeks in that district, the revival began to spread and spread and spread. And what happened in that district of Barvas spread all over the other, into the other districts. And you know, this incredible outpouring, it lasted not just for five weeks, it lasted for two years. But God was just pouring out the Spirit. Save, people getting saved week in, week out, daily. People were getting saved. You know, even amongst this, even though God was doing something great, there were several towns and communities who were resistant, trying to resist this revival. You know, how many of you know that even when God comes, the enemy won't settle for it? The enemy will do anything he can to stop the church praying for revival, calling upon God, seeking his faith. He'll do anything to stop you. He'll put every distraction in the way. And even though God was moving, these people were coming, trying to resist these revival meetings. And they even created their own meetings to go against what God was doing. And they determined that they were going to resist this move of God. They were determined that God isn't going to move in our community. You'll always get that. We will always encounter that. There will always be people in opposition to what God is going to do. We never, less as a church, let's never be surprised by that because the enemy will not settle for it. But you know, these believers, they continued anyway. Despite what people said, despite all these meetings, they were so focused on what God was doing. They were so caught up with God that it didn't matter what people were trying to do to distract them. They were focused on God and he was leading it all and God just continued to move. And you know, what was even, even more incredible was that all these resistance groups that met uh, rose from it all God actually would bring people along to who knew these people who were setting up these meetings and one after another these meetings were were totally gone and these people who were trying standing against revival actually ended up getting saved and coming to know God and God moved in their district and their community as well you know the Bible tells us that nothing will stop our God if God is for us who can be against us Nothing can stop our God. No plan, no person, no, no Satan, no demon in hell can stop God. When God comes, when he moves, he, he will, nothing will stop him. Nothing will stand 
against them. And God brought breakthrough after breakthrough. And revival swept all across our island. You know, as we come to a conclusion tonight, from 1949 to 1951, the island of Lewis in the Hebrides, it experienced a massive revival which spread throughout the entire island. And you know, it filled, it reports say it filled the church with youth and it even extended into those resistant areas and it brought lost souls to Jesus. You know, and that's my prayer. God, send in the young, send in the old, send them all in, Lord. Come again, Lord. Come again in power and move in this land. Come and move in this land. You know, it was an incredible, tremendous revival. And you know, it all demonstrated the grace and mercy and love of our Saviour. It wasn't about Duncan Campbell. It wasn't about Peggy and Christine Smith. It wasn't about any person or any church. All that revival demonstrated was the incredible goodness of our God. That our God saves. That our God changes lives. Our God transforms lives. Our God loves people. He loves this world. He loves us so with this world so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross. Though whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And you know, tonight, our God is still in the business of saving souls. Tonight, our God loves this community just like he loved all land. God loves you, he loves me. And you know, my prayer tonight, it's just like those guys in that barn, they took it upon themselves that they said, we see the state of our land. We need to do something about this. And we're going to pray. And you know, my prayer is that we by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, God will begin to break our hearts for our land. That he will bring, begin to break our hearts for our community. And that we will begin to seek his face until revival comes. God, we're going to pray until revival comes. God, we're not going to give up until revival comes. We're going to hold on to your word, hold on to your promise. We're going to believe it. You know, the word says that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Abraham, God's coming. I believe that with all my heart. Come there, God's coming. You know, Abba God's coming. God is going to come. God is going to pour out his spirit. And you know, the Bible tells us it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit. You know, I was chatting to my dad the other day and we were just talking about church life. And, you know, he said the greatest thing, the most important thing we need above all else as a church and everything else, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. It is, you know, it, you know, even if we close down all the ministries and all these things, it doesn't matter. We could close them all down because the most important thing in this church is the Holy Spirit. We need Him. We need God's presence. We need Jesus in this place. We don't need everything else going on. So often we get so busy and caught up with all these other things going on that we get distracted and we get taken away from the main thing. What we need is God to come in His Spirit to awaken my heart and to empower us and send us out. It's as simple as that. You read what happens in Acts in the early church. They didn't have programs. They didn't have meetings. They didn't even have a building. They had the Spirit of God. And they had, one, they had God with them. And they just went and they transformed this world. And it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. God's method is still the same. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my Spirit. And until we as a church and we as a people grasp over that, and until we get our lives right and turn to the Lord and ask Him to forgive us and fill us, we just keep going on and on and on until he comes again. 
and we won't see much impact. But when God comes, he changes everything. Only God can change a community. Only God can awaken a church. Only God can do it. And that's what the whole reason for me sharing these stories are. Is that as we see in every single one of these stories of revival, what's the key thing? Who's the center of it all? God. Only God can do it. It wasn't individuals. It wasn't people. God came in his mercy and grace and he awoke people's hearts. And the church turned to him. And so tonight... I want us, and my prayer is that we would take hold of that promise. 2 Chronicles 7:14. If my people who called by my name will humble themselves, will pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Then I will forgive their sin. Then I will heal their land. That is the promise. And you know, if we long to see revival, it's us getting our life right and calling upon him. Simple answer. So simple, but that's what God wants for us. And the devil will do anything he can to stop us. But as a church tonight, we need revival. Abraham needs revival. Our homes need revival. Our workplaces need revival. Can't shy away from it. The churches up and down this valley, no matter how good they are, they need revival. We need the Spirit of God to come and do what only he can do. And so tonight, let's pray as a church. Let's put our lives right. And this, even tonight, as we've been inspired by all these stories, may be a starting point within our hearts as a church that, yeah, we're going to start praying. We're going to start seeking the face of God. And we're going to keep praying until revival comes. And we're going to keep praying even in revival. But we're going to pray until we see the breakthrough. Amen. Shall we pray? Thanks again for listening to this podcast. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. For more content from Gateway and to connect with us, go to gatewaychurchcumry.co.uk. Have a great day.